Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hashira Half Hour. I am your resident Giyu Simpana, and as always, I am joined by Brian and Emily. What is up, you guys? It's Brian. I am the torn piece of clothes that Tanjiro gets throughout the forest and um, gets left behind for other demons to smell. Guys, it's Emily. Happy to be back here again um, this week. I always cringe at this episode. I do not like the armed demon. I don't like his nail scratches. So I'm just like perpetually cringing over here, but looking forward to talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, you guys are so much more creative than me. I'm like, hi, I sent for you. (laughs) Oh man. All right. (laughs) Well, today we are recapping episode four, uh, final selection, as Emily mentioned with the cringy hand demon with the colorful nails and the weird laughing that creeped out my sister who just watched the show this past weekend so (laughs) Brian I'm gonna need you to not be so good at that (laughs) sorry (laughs) Brian becomes our resident demon voice actor (laughs) yeah I am here for your blood from Busan yeah that's really good. good Okay. All right, Brian. I think we found your calling. <laughs> anyway, we we rewatched it specifically looking for the theme of revenge. Dun, dun, dun. This is kind of our first like really dark theme that we're kind of looking at, but I felt this episode really was a great episode to kind of return to maybe a darker theme like episode one because of everything that goes on. So, um, what are your guys' thoughts on revenge in this episode? Well, there are um, a number of really you know powerful feelings of revenge, I think, that are brought forth. The one that I wanted to bring up is probably not the first one that people are going to think of, um, but I actually wanted to mention the demon that I really don't like. Um, he is creepy and disgusting, but entirely driven by revenge for Urokodaki, um, being that Irokodaki was the demon slayer that imprisoned him on the Wisteria Mountain for the final selection. And he brings up right away that, you know, it's it's kind of been like his life's purpose while he's there. And as he's lived through all these different time periods and cultures as Japan evolves, um, just talking specifically about like, oh, these little children with the masks, like I know which ones these are. And out of the 50 people that I've already consumed, at least 14 of them were Irokodaki students. And that's like his mission is to try to kill as many of them as he can in an act of revenge. So that's probably my favorite. It's the first one that comes to mind for me. I love that moment. Um, I definitely thought of more of the mainstream one, obviously still including that demon, right? But also, um, you know, Tanjiro trying to avenge their deaths, right? Because he realizes that this is what took down Sabito and Makamo, right? That's how he learned that they weren't actually alive at that point. So that was a, a really good moment of inspiration for him because he was like, oh, wait, like those weren't just like people helping me. I'm not really sure if Tondro had the awareness that they weren't people at the time he was training with them. But after he had that meeting with that demon, he definitely knew that it was this one that had taken them down. And since they had helped him get so far, he had finally had that drive to get that nice clean head off that first form water um water surface slash god beautiful beautiful cliffhanger too by the way absolutely um i like that you called out tanjiro Uh, 
I actually had written down both those characters as far as revenge goes, just because like Emily said, the, the hand demon that we love so much, his whole like arc that we see that last, you know, an episode and a half is really completely based off of the revenge that he feels for Rodokidaki. So I think that obviously him not only killing all of Rodokidaki's students, but also like keeping track of them and counting them and being ready saying like, all right, you're the 14 just shows you just how much vengefulness is inside of his heart and how much revenge he, you know, wants to continue to enact towards Rodokidaki. Um, but also calling out Tanjiro, I think that also this moment kind of shows his resolve. We've already seen it a little bit, but he calmed himself down pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and that was really impressive to me. You know, we keep getting these little pebbles that Tanjiro is pretty fight smart. You know, he's got a lot of, not street smart, but, you know, like he tends to think well in a battle. And we saw that in episode one. And we're just continuing to see that progress more and more. And he was like, all right. I am really, really angry and I want to kill this demon, but I need to calm down. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually really true because like even in that very first encounter after training race, so the first two demons he encounters in that forest, he literally was able to kill them both with one shot, right? Like he saw that scent line come through and he was like fourth form and he just got a double kill to start. Like he just walked in and was like, I'm a noob. Don't worry about it. Force form. Here we go. And both of them are dead in one shot. Like, what else you got to say? He really, yeah, he he like resolved his anxiety and like any nerves that he might have felt pretty quickly in that moment that you mentioned, Brian. Um, and he managed to like save somebody too. And this is all within like the first couple minutes of being kind of thrown into the final selection. He encounters those two knocks both of them out and then we encounter this creepy massive demon that's consumed so many people because you know one of his peers is kind of being hunted already and even though he's nervous and he like kind of begins to run away he again like resolves himself calms down goes back and saves them and then only upon figuring out a little bit of like what this guy's about what this demon has already done does that rage start to build up and even then he does resolve himself very quickly and just kind of jumps right into like his battle, like tactic mode. So a plus a plus main character energy from him. Once again, very protective, even of people he doesn't even know, like he, he wanted to run away, but the reason he went back was because he was like, I need to save that guy who then didn't return the favor like a jerk. Um, <laughs> hate that guy. Like this guy just came in and like saved your life. And then when he's knocked out and about to die, like you're just like, all right, I'm out. Like this is my chance. What a selfish person. Just saying. Probably realistic though, when you're scared like that for your life. <laughs> fair. Fair. Very fair. Um, cool. Well, we do see uh, Sabido and Mo Makamo and all the others that were killed by that demon disappear once Tanjiro does defeat him. Um, do you think that they had those physical ties to the world or were they just sensitive to Tanjiro's spirit and just really wanting to help him? To a certain extent, they had to have some form of physical tie. I think like just like stepping off for a second, like supernatural theory, like with ghosts and spirits, like states like that they have some form of unresolved 
conflict in them if like that's what a ghost is is like a spirit with unresolved conflict so like looking at it from an outside perspective like that i definitely think that they had that emotional attachment to seeing one more of Orokodaki's students like prevail i think that was really what kept them around is that they were able to like understand that they weren't the one to end Orokodaki's suffering from having students and i think that's why they kind of stuck around for Tanjiro. Like, I don't know if it was his spirit itself or if Tanjiro would have died, would they have stayed around for another one? That's my feeling is that they were attached to Orokodaki's sentiment of trying to get another student out there. And when he was given one, I think they really wanted to see it succeed. I agree. Um, to kind of tie in like some of just some of the the Japanese ideas of the afterlife and a couple like kind of theories that I looked into that being my interest again, please forgive my pronunciation as well, if this is not correct, but um, in some Japanese belief systems, humans have of course, like a spirit or a soul. And that's referred to as um, a, a reikon, I believe. And so the idea is that like when a person dies, if they are given the proper burial rituals and like the proper respects are given at the time of their death, then they would become, you know, a peaceful spirit that sometimes would revisit during times of like, you know, the festivals and things like that, that they would host. But if it's a more violent manner of death, like a, like a suicide or um, a murder kind of thing, then they may um, have powerful emotions that hold them there, like um, jealousy, hatred, revenge, you know, things like that. That would hold them there. So I think that the use of Sabito and Makamo are really interesting in that there's probably somewhere in between. I think that they might be bound out of, you know, a desire for vengeance against the demon, but in their means to kind of like procure that vengeance, Tanjiro is a vessel, but also somebody that they care about um, and could be seen as that like more positive spirit. So I, th I think it's both. I think there is a physical tie, but I think it's also probably quite spiritual as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely their souls being released when he was defeated was an important moment. Um, but also like possibility that even Tanjiro himself is sensitive to like spirits and that sort of thing, possibly, you know, we don't know if the others got to experience that. I think Sabito and Makamo were actually the two before Tanjiro to go through this training. So, you know, we don't know if maybe they had that experience too, or if it was something specific to Tanjiro because they were like, look, we gotta, we gotta do what we can to protect him. And, you know, they were sensitive to his spirit and then he was sensitive to theirs and it caused them to materialize. Like, I think there's a lot of different theories that all make sense. And I think that's really cool because everyone can have kind of a different outlook on those two characters and what they mean to the story. And I love that. I think so too. And I do think it's entirely plausible that Tanjiro could be the one that's sensitive to it because these aren't the only like ghosts that um, help him in his journey. They may present the most physical manifestation of themselves, but in this same episode, we also see his brother call out to him and wake him mm -hmm. up and like save him in a moment where he's about to be crushed. Um, yeah. And something that's different and that's like that separates the ghosts of his family that we see in a couple episodes and then something like the manifestation of the other two is um, you notice he's like very strict about those funeral rites and the funeral arrangements. Um, the entire family was buried at any time he encounters like anybody else that would need to be buried or 
um, anything like that. It always happens. And it's always like the formal, um, you know, procession of what would need to be done. So I do think it's interesting, the difference that they manifest themselves in, but. He even says rest in peace to the demons. Mm -hmm. He has that full respect, even for them. Mm -hmm. It's very Tanjiro like. Um, so I do want to touch a little bit on your Dokadaki because I feel like there's the possibility that there might be some revenge deep down in his heart as well. Um, he might be really good at just feeling it, but choosing not to act on it because like we've touched on before, it kind of seemed like he wasn't really taking on new students. Like maybe he had kind of given up because he didn't want to continue to put them in that danger. And yet Tanjo kind of proved that maybe he was the one who could do it. Um, do you think that truly deep down he might feel some revenge and, and him training these kids might have something to do with that? I mean, he's only human, probably, right? Like, he, I'm sure that he probably would feel some kind of relief knowing that this murderer of all his students would be taken down. And I do think he has that belief in Tanjiro too. But I kind of think that what supersedes that for him is, you know, going back to one of our previous conversations in an earlier episode, but like the need to protect. If it's a kind of vengeance, it's probably more for like the greater good of the human race, I think, mm -hmm. of like, you know, like seeking out to kill all these demons so that humans can live a much higher quality of life and feel protected and safe. I don't know if that's his initial response is for vengeance, but I do think that it could be there. I think... <clears throat> Really with Orokodaki, I do agree that there is some sort of vengeance. I don't know if maybe there is still some of that like spiritual connection. Um, because I don't know, I just feel like demon and demon slayers, they're very similar to like Batman and Joker in the sense that like they have a continual deep connection where they kind of need each other to exist. So I think really Orokodaki knows somewhere in his soul that that demon who is killing his students is still out there. I feel like he's very well aware that he put away someone in a very difficult spot that was definitely going to be able to take out some more slayers. And so since he's put them out there and kind of recognizes who they were from there on, I think he kind of knew that those kids were getting kind of destroyed by that demon he put there as a piece of revenge in itself. So I definitely think Orokodaki had some of that motivation to be like, hey, I let some of my students down before, 13 of them, unlucky 13, if you will. And now he's trying to take that forward when he mentions it to him and say, let's give this one last shot, right? He even mentions in the very beginning of the episode, I never planned to send you to final selection. Mm -hmm. And then you see him cook a feast, like, eat up, boy, you're going to need it. So I definitely think there was that, like, Tondra was his last kind of hope there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like Emily said, we're all human, so there is going to be that somewhat feeling of a vengeance towards all the students that he's lost. I mean, as far as we know, and I'm trying to not like get into like huge manga spoilers here, but Giyu is like the only one who has survived final selection in quite a while of his students. So, and Giyu would have probably been like five years prior to this surviving that. So, definitely you know, having so many students get killed. And you also have to wonder if he even knows that they're continually getting killed by the same demon that he put away. The The possibility stands that Giyu told him, but did he know before that? Was he just kind of sending them and just thinking that they all were just dying by the hands of whatever demon? Or did he know, did he have that sense that it could be that demon that is targeting his students? 
you know, that's another theory that we could throw out there into the world. <laughs> In my heart, I want to believe that he knows, but I, I definitely think the probability exists that he's like, hey, that one wasn't good enough. Uh, take two. <laughs> Maybe at the beginning. <laughs> he was like, oh, man, I, I definitely need to revamp this training program. Adds like 400 reps of sword swings. <laughs> Feels bad to be laughing at that. But yeah, I mean, each time he could just been like, yeah, my training just needs to get better. We know that Tanjiro's rock was the biggest, most hard one to do. Like he just genuinely didn't expect him to do it because he gave him one. He was like, this is probably impossible. We don't even know if he could slice that rock, you know? Ooh. Accurate question. Accurate question. So, do you think he could slice that rock? Let's say, okay, so obviously he's retired. He was a Hashira. So, maybe not now because he is not active. But let's say at his prime, do you think Erdokadaki gave Tandro a rock that he physically would not be able to slice or that he could slice, but he didn't think Tandro could do it? It's a tough one. <laughs> it is tough. I think he could slice it. At his prime, I think he probably could. I'd love to see the prequel story about him and like the, the other demon slayers, probably like Rengoku's dad. We'll get we'll get to that later. But like other people <laughs> that would be like in the prequel series of just a bunch of demon slayers just fighting at their absolute peak. I think he could do it. My money's yeah. on him. I think he still could do it, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I feel like there is that sense of strength. And maybe I'm just biased because I played the game and I loved playing as a Rokudaki in the Hinokami Chronicles. Thought that was one of my favorite characters to play as. But I think he still has it because he still has expectations for Tanjiro. And he's still like, he still has that running speed that we see in that one episode where he's like outpacing Tanjiro by far. So I think maybe like it would have taken a couple warm up swings, but I feel like even still, he definitely had it. And I don't know. I would have bet on him even right now, even where he was. Yeah, definitely. Like Emily said, would love to see a prequel on him and the other, like the generation before the one that we get in the show, maybe. But again, conversation for another day, I guess. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to add to the episode regarding revenge or call outs? No? No. All right. No. Cool. All right. Well, we are going to transition into our favorite moments from the show. Um, if you're new here, this is when we just talk about whatever moment we liked that we can call out. It can be the soundtrack. It can be a voice acting moment. It can be animation. Um, but it's just kind of our time to fangirl over our favorite thing from the episode. Fangirl. <laughs> um, and mine was when we first see Tanjiro use water breathing it is so good uh, we haven't seen any breathing forms yet so this is really i feel like when the show starts to really pick up you know obviously these first few episodes leading up to this have been important to develop tanjiro as a character and develop the story as a whole but i feel like this is the episode where things kind of transition into that like okay this is demon slayer like this is all about this breathing form fighting scenes with wonderful soundtrack this is actually the first time we hear what i call his secondary theme because we get his like main theme later on in the show um but whenever he's fighting we get this little it's not like a jingle but it's like a theme that you know only lasts for maybe 10 seconds but it's one of my favorites it's very 
superhero like um and just that with the animation with the seeing Tanjiro like take out two demons at once and this is like his first time really taking out demons since acquiring the sword skills that he has over the last two years it just all came together he even thanks Okadaki for you know training him sheds a tear for realizing that he can do it and realizes that hey I might actually survive this I might be able to take these demons out right before he meets the hand demon but it was just such a beautiful moment and double thumbs up demon slayer animators you are amazing brian my favorite moment would be when tanjiro is first arriving at final selection the wisteria forest is so beautiful if we want to talk about animation in the episode, I think it's definitely one of the scenes we have to mention. Just the color dimension and just how like gorgeous everything looked. Maybe it was just the contrast of the ground with the wisteria leaves, but nonetheless, that seems gorgeous. And then kind of furthering it, once they get into the like final selection meeting area, the two, I don't know what they're called, so excuse me on that one, but the two like proctors, if you will, they're just like very cute but also very like poignant if you will like straight to the point like hello this is the final selection and there are no more wisterias from here good luck i'm just like all right awesome cool 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 thanks little girl (laughs) (laughs) kind of creepy but also love them (laughs) same it's a weird dynamic (laughs) they they give off like very like shining vibes (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. Like, you're like, are they good? Like, are they evil? Like, are they demons in disguise? Like, what's happening? They're kind of creepy. Are they, like, brainwashed or something? They're cute. They're kind of creepy. Yeah. I don't know if we ever find out why they were like that, either. (laughs) Like, in that exact moment. They're just just kind of weird. Raised in an interesting situation. (laughs) It's just a vibe. What can we say? Hold on. (laughs) Oh, man. Emily, what was your favorite moment? I... So I I was going to say something very similar to what Brian said. I just love the scene with the wisteria flowers and, you know, some of the foreshadowing that I think is there a little bit, just beautiful animation. And if you've never like looked up like a Japanese wisteria garden, you absolutely should, because it really does look like that. And it glows in real life. It just like one of the most beautiful things you could ever imagine seeing, but I'm not going to completely steal Brian's thunder there with that. So I'll talk about my second favorite moment. Also. Um, Can we talk about the cliffhanger at the end of this episode? (laughs) Like phenomenal. Like he goes in, Tanjiro goes in for that attack. The arms are sprouting. We've got like some awesome, like jump sequences, arms coming up from under the ground. Um, the demon is like not afraid of him because he's like very confident in his ability to self-defend. Um, and we see the decapitation and then the episode ends and it's like, what a great action packed sequence to close us out and get us pumped up for next week. So mm-hmm. first of many cliffhangers, let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I'm getting flashbacks to entertainment district arc and I'm watching that week to week. Um, <laughs> Cool. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. So thank you everyone for listening in. Um, Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. If you leave a question in the comments, uh, we might even answer it in a future episode. So throw those comments down below. Um, And don't forget to follow us across all social media. We are Hashira Half Hour on TikTok, Instagram, 
Twitter, all the fun things. On TikTok, we post about all kinds of anime as well. So make sure to give us a follow. And we appreciate you listening in today. We'll see you next week. Umai. Umai. Umai.